Hello, and uh, welcome to episode two. We made it a week somehow, yeah. and we decided to record another episode. So haven't welcome. Haven't given up yet. We haven't given up yet. Um, so before we get into the episode today, we want to uh, just bring up a couple of things. Um, number one, uh, rest in peace to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, rest in power, um, passed away this past week. Uh, just do you, I mean, it's just awful to, yeah. to see someone who had so mu- had done so much for our country, so much for women in this country, um, pass away and to see how the political process is being treated by members um in in the house um in the the republican party is despic honestly it's despicable um i I think that women's rights need it should be at the forefront of any person's agenda when it comes to equality um and for not only uh for us to see um a champion of women's rights die this week but we also found out that there will be uh, no justice served to Breonna Taylor. Um, another tragic thing that, you know, we fought all summer long for. Um, and unfortunately, only one of the officers will be charged with shooting into uh, a neighbor neighbor's house. So that fight's not done. Um, the fight for women's rights is not done either. Uh, it'll continue on. Um yeah, do you want you want to touch on that at all? You want to add anything to it? No, I'm just really excited for what we're gonna be talking about today. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's a that's a good transition into um what we will be talking about today. What what are we gonna be talking we're about? We're talking today? about the environment. Yes. I, was, we I hit are. that note, I think. What? I think I hit that note. I think you did too. Thank you. Um yeah, so we're gonna be talking about the environment. Uh we are going to be covering a wide variety of topics. Um, we're going to be talking about kind of the current state of emergency that the world is in. Um, we are going to be talking about some stats. We're also going to be covering the Green New Deal and what that means, what that actually means, not just what, you know, the media has put out what it, what they think it means. Uh, we're going to be kind of doing some fact versus fiction, what's real, what's true, what's fake, what's not, um, and then we are going to be, as usual, as we said in episode one, we will be delivering you guys some resources. Yeah. Yeah, get into it. So let's get after it on this episode, episode two of Sweatshirt Chronicles. <laughs> So environmental, everything environment um, is something that I I would hope that everyone thinks is very important, but I especially think it is very important. Leo likes to call me a hippie, so, um, but yeah, and I want to, at some point in life, I am an accounting major, but my dream is to work in some kind of sustainability or um, anything. I've even thought of going to law school for environmental law, all kinds of things. I just feel that this is such a huge problem that so many people choose not to see or acknowledge or deal with and um, choose to believe that it's not actually happening because 
they believe they're not being directly affected by it, which is not correct because Mm -hmm. this is the planet that we live on and we're pretty much fucking it up. Um, We're not doing our part and it's showing in the stats and the numbers yearly, year after year. Um, So it kind of blows my mind that people can still choose to deny that and deny the facts and the numbers. Um, And yeah, it's really sad, but today we're going to talk about kind of ways that even in the smallest way, you can still be doing your part um, and trying to do better by our Lord and Savior, Mother Nature. And I mean, Lauren says that I call her hippie all the time, which is true. I do call her hippie quite a bit. But at the same time, I don't have a leg to stand on because I'm a... You're pretty hippie I'm a pretty hippie. I mean, I'm, I'm a big hiker. I go mountain biking all the time i i'm a cyclist i i'm just i've been an outdoor person since i was a kid so i've always had a very deep appreciation for nature and before i want before i ended up eventually choosing business there was quite a few years through elementary school all the way up into high school where i was pretty sure i wanted to be a marine biologist growing up at the beach all every summer i had a very very deep love for um for tidal pool uh, ecology and things like that. Um, and yeah, as, as I grew older, I started to see bigger, more started to realize the problems that we're facing. Uh, and it's seems that as shitty of a year as this year has been, it seems like now is more of an, even more of a time to recognize, holy crap. Like not only does this year suck for a million other reasons, this year sucks for the planet, and it's only going to get worse. Yeah, man, the world's on fire, literally. Yeah, and, and so that kind of leads into our current state of emergency. Um, as many of you, as everyone at this point should know, California has been burning um, through most of the summer, as well as Oregon and Washington, parts of Canada. Um, and those fires have not just been limited to um, those areas, but the effects of those fires have been felt nationwide. If you live on the East Coast, for all of our um, East Coast friends, you may have noticed if you wake up early enough that in the mornings and in the evenings, the sunrises and sunsets have been very strange, almost hazy. Um, that's not clouds. That's not. That's actually smoke from from California that has drifted across the country and is now affecting us even here on the east coast so these these things like fires and stuff do not have only an effect on a certain area um i was talking to my dad yesterday about as we were going mountain biking uh about the fires going on in california and um he was telling me how he read that the amount of land that has been burnt in california is equal to roughly I think he said it was either a third or a half. I think it was a third of Massachusetts. So we're Lauren and I are both from Massachusetts. To all our Massachusetts listeners, just imagine if a third of the state just was completely burnt over. Like we would be like Western Mass. We would be like, oh my god, this is a huge problem. We need to fix this right now. Um, But unfortunately, we are kind of isolated from those problems. I think California, too, even before this year's um, forest fires, has been going through it. Um, I had a friend, and I remember 
going to a breakfast place with her. And the waitress came and gave us waters. And this friend was from Matt, um, from California. And I remember my friend was like, oh my God, like they just give you water. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she was like, they do not give you water in California unless you like explicitly ask for it. Like they, they're not going to waste it. I, I feel like that, that was a couple years ago that like really opened my eyes. I was like, oh my God, like I feel like me and a lot of people that have been lucky, I said this in my pa- in the past episode too, that we've been lucky enough to be kind of blind and ignorant to that kind of stuff. Um, and times are changing, man, because if you're not concerned about that much of our country and our world really on fire, then something's wrong because we soon it's not just going to be the West Coast. Mm-hmm. And, and you might be asking yourself, like we have been, and many people have, that, oh, well, you know, what can we do? What can we do to fix this as, as individuals, as a country, as a world? The, unfortunately, the problem is, and the very bleak reality is, uh, we've screwed ourselves. We've screwed the pooch, in a sense. We have ruined our earth yeah. to the point where everything, every leading factor into 2020 every greenhouse gas emitted every tree torn down all those kinds of things every road built those can't be suddenly taken back we have locked ourselves into this climate crisis um and you know it's not going to be reversed it's not going to happen overnight it's not going to happen in a decade it's not going to probably even happen in a lifetime um it can change you know, we can make changes, but we're going to have to live with a climate crisis for decades to come, unfortunately. Was it you that told me about, um, I don't know if it was you or someone at work or something, but when these forest fires in California that are currently happening kind of came to light, um, someone that I know asked like this environmentalist and was like okay like what can we be doing like should we stop using plastic straws and all this kind of stuff like what should we be doing and the environmentalist said like yeah that's that would be great if you could do that but honestly most of the shit that's happening to the environment now is because of like 10 huge companies Mm -hmm. not because obviously it could help if you stop using plastic straws and small stuff like that but most of the problem is these huge companies, these petroleum companies mostly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and that's a that's a big part of it. I mean, you you kind of start to look at at what needs to change. And you know, the number one thing that scientists continuously say is that the only way that we will revert will will, begin the process of eventually reversing Mm -hmm. the climate crisis is a swift elimination of worldwide of greenhouse gases. Now that's like the frustrating part too, though, because I feel like as an individual, you're, you want to do as much as you can, but it's so much more than that. And you Mm -hmm. can still be doing those things, but you as one individual can't, make a huge change right and you you as an individual can't shut you can't shut down coal factories in china you can't shut down steel factories in europe you can't tell every single person on the road in america 
hey, you need to stop driving your cars every single place. Um, But unfortunately, we've, that's the world we've kind of created. We've created this, you know, not a dystopia is not the right word for it, but you know, a, it's a world that's unfriendly to the earth. Um, We've developed a system, you know, that's more focused on the dollar value of something than the, you know, the nature value of something. You know, we're more concerned about in terms of companies, we're more concerned, gas companies are saying more concerned about, okay, how much cheaper is it to use fracking compared to, okay, well, how many, how many, how much land of this was indigenous people? Mm -hmm. How much, um, how many animals are going to die from this? How many, how much deforestation is this going to cause? How many, what are the long-term effects on the environment that I'm now fracking in just because it's cheap? You know, it's, it's, that's a huge issue that I think we as a society have started to value money over nature and that'll take a long time to fix. Inconvenience over nature. Inconvenience over nature. Yeah. I mean, go ahead. but it's, 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 yeah, it's gotten to the point now where, you know, if you, if you live and I'm, I'm, no one's, no one is perfect. And you, as we did say, you know, 80% 80% of, and this is not, don't, don't <laughs> like listen exactly to my words here because I'm not sure if this is the exact numbers, but it's something like 80% of the world's uh, pollution is done by 70 companies or yeah. something, something crazy like that. So you driving your car five minutes into town to pick up your breakfast sandwich or something isn't the end of the world. If you're doing that two, three times a week every, or, or every single day, you know, then it starts to, you should really start to look at yourself, hey, maybe I could walk into town. Or maybe you maybe. can make your own freaking breakfast. Or maybe you can make Jesus. your own breakfast, or maybe you can bike into town. Um, it's, it's the, yes, as individuals, there's lots that we can do, but we have to remember that, you know, especially as Americans, we have to remember that with the election coming up, we put, have pushed this heavy in the last episode, is vote. You know, yeah. we need as a country to recognize that and especially as a younger generation you know young people do not vote enough it's that that's true and true and true and true again that has young people cannot they cannot get out enough young people to vote but in europe and this is going to kind of transfer into our next little talk no but not yet because oh okay sorry go ahead go ahead well i kind of forget what i was going to say so okay but um in, in Europe... Oh, I remember now. Do you want me to keep going? Yeah, keep going. I'll say it after. <laughs> in Europe, and we'll talk about this later, um, but the Green New Deal was not did not start in Europe, but it actually started in um, the office of Nancy Pelosi when the Sunrise Movement uh, did a sit-in protest and demanded um, the, their five accords, which would later become the Green New Deal. And then it got shot down in America, and then it went to Europe, and... It, the youth movement in Europe um, from 2017 until 2020 was so great that they made sweeping reforms um, on environmental stuff because the youths finally started voting. If we had that in America, we might actually start to see some change. So what do you, what do you want to say? Thank you for that introduction. Um, 
I was going to say that as much as it's frustrating that these 70 some odd companies um, are contributing the most to climate change and everything going on with the environment, the one thing that we can do to kind of combat that is to hold them accountable. And not just those companies, but people, leaders, the people in power, we need to be holding them accountable. Um, And this is something that I kind of learned reading Greta Thunberg's book, which it was um, over this past summer, I read a book that was just pretty much a compilation of a bunch of her speeches. And her kind of main message is we need to hold these people accountable. Why are we not holding these people accountable? Because then they're looking at us to save the turtles, don't use plastic straws. But in reality, that's not really doing jack when as much as we could be doing, they need to step up to. So with that, we can go on to our next topic. Thank you, Leo. Which is the uh, Green New Deal. Um, so not a lot of Americans, I feel like, do truly understand what the Green New Deal means. I think a lot of people hear it, they hear it on the media, but they don't um, actually you know, understand what that means. Um, it started, for those who don't know, it started in 2017, as I said, by the Sunrise Movement um, when they performed or they protested doing a sit-in in newly um, appointed as or most likely going to be and ended up being the um, Speaker of the House. Speaker of the House? Yeah, yeah. Um, Nancy Pelosi um, saying, look, like you're in a position of power. You um, are a Democrat um, who traditionally, you know, Democrats have championed these ideas. And I'll get a little bit later into um, the Republicans, um, but, uh, and they protested and Alexandria, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez ended up champion, taking, listening to them and championing their idea, um, as well as our representative, Lauren and I's representative, Ed Markey, um, who we also love, um, and, uh, yeah, and they champion it, they put it as a, as a I want to say it's as a referendum, I'm going to check that as I speak, it's a resolution, my bad, a resolution in the, uh, in government right now that is, it's not a bill, it's not anything like that, um, but it is a, is a resolution, and I'm going to, oh, Lauren wants I want to say it, because yours are too long, my Well, my, I just wrote the, no, the I don't want to hear it Okay, um, I got the info, so, pretty much the Green New Deal has five main goals, um, Leo's looking very upset that he no, can't say these. No, right no, now. no, it's okay. Um, so I kind of broke them down into smaller words. <laughs> um, the first one is to achieve net zero greenhouse gas emissions. We'll talk about these after. I'm just going to go through them now. The second one is create millions of jobs. The third is to invest in the infrastructure and industry of the U.S. to sustainably meet the challenges of the 21st century. Um, the fourth is to secure clean air and water. And the fifth is to promote justice and equality by protecting frontline communities. Yes. So we'll, we'll start with number one, um, achieving net zero, which is not going to be an easy thing to do. Um, but if and you, I think, do you have it that it's like by a certain year too? I don't have the year. I want to say it's, it's, it's either like 2030 20, something. 20, it's either 2035 or 2040. I can't okay, remember yeah. exactly. But great. I do have... One of the things that I think a lot of people don't recognize when they hear these, oh, environmentalists, 
climate change. Oh, they're they're gonna ruin our jobs. That's not fair to the coal industry. That's not fair to the oil industry. Whatever it might be. And I think what the Sunrise Movement, at least in the language that they wrote this resolution in, was I believe that they recognize that there are communities that rely on these industries. They and and you can't just strip that away because then you're marginalizing a group of people. So in their the language they wrote, achieve net zero greenhouse gases through a fair and just transition for all communities and workers. Um, I personally think this is possible to do. I mean, what do you think? Do you think it's possible to achieve that by, by 2035, 2040? Well, I feel like it's not achievable with all of these haters saying it's not achievable, but that's not the right mindset, guys. Um, I feel like people in a lot of aspects of politics, um, especially opposing sides, once they hear that kind of stuff, they're like, that's impossible. That's not going to happen. You guys are wishing for something and betting on something that's not going to happen. It's like, well, yeah, it's not going to happen if you're being a dick about it. Like, mm-hmm. step up, back it, believe in it, and then it can happen. And I honestly believe that to be true with a lot of things that, um, in politics that people say are going to happen but don't end up happening. It's like, yeah, it didn't happen because everyone's against it. Right. It's not going to happen if you don't want it to happen. Right. So and... I think that there is hope for it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's going to take a lot. Um, and a lot of time and it might not happen by 2035 or 2040, but hopefully not too long after that, you know? And I think, I think an important thing to think of too is, you know, say, say I we're, we'll confirm the, uh, the numbers later, but, um, or, um, we, (laughs) but you can confirm on your own. Say it's, say it's 2035, right? That's 15 years from now. Just think of in in the last 15 years, the technology that has been, you know, thrown out into this world. Mm -hmm. 15 years ago, podcasting didn't really exist. I mean, I'm recording this on my ThinkPad laptop that can reverse and become a tablet. There weren't even, like, colored TVs when Leo was born. No, get out of here. But, uh, I'm not that old. I'm two years old anymore. (laughs) But, But, I mean, 15 years ago, if I'm... I could be completely wrong, and I'm trying to remember but my dates, but I'm pretty sure that not even the iPhone was out. Um, yeah, I think that was like 2007. I think it was 2006 or 2007. So a lot can change in 15 years. Um, that includes things like making um, fuel-efficient cars affordable, making not only just fuel-efficient cars, but making electric vehicles more affordable making solar panels more affordable, things like that, that can easily come, as Lauren said, if legislators, if lawmakers, if if local politicians, if local business people, if business people in general put their minds to and say, yep, we're going to fix this. We're going to actually do something about this. And unfortunately, who knows what's going to happen with that. Um, So yeah, so number two. Yeah, let's like... Yeah, we'll speed this up. Number two, create millions of good, uh, millions of good high wage jobs, and ensure prosperity and economic security for all people of the United States. Thoughts? You like it? That's that was me snap clapping. Oh, we're, we're, okay. for, we're for it. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, why wouldn't I mean? Why wouldn't you be for helping people? But like genuinely, how? Like how? 
Well, I mean, to start, if you, if we're creating, you know, if we're building more wind farms, if we're transitioning um, communities from coal to solar, if we're doing things like that, that creates jobs in and of itself. You know, you need people to build those things. You need people to maintenance those things. I talked, I know I talked to you maybe about this, but um, the Cape Cod Wind Project, yeah, um, offshore wind project, is a huge, huge deal here in Massachusetts. And those communities down on the South Shore are benefiting greatly from it um, because they had lost a lot of jobs when a major coal factory had left or coal power plant had left those communities. And now all the, I mean, those offshore wind power plants need power to or need yep. people too. So that's a start is, right. is that transition. And then from there, it's the idea that, okay, you know, that, mcdonald's worker or wendy's worker who's only making the federal minimum wage or the state minimum wage um you know they should be getting paid 15 an hour something livable because i think the other big thing we have to understand is that yes someone who is working a job flipping burgers is getting paid minimum wage but that doesn't mean that they should not be able to afford to live you know we can't we can't pretend that that job is less than a different job because at the end of the day, it's not, you know, I'm with, with, you know, I'm working at PwC and I'm building technology. That doesn't mean that the person who then, you know, runs a gas station where I have to fill my car is any less of value to, or a waiter who, you know, is bringing me food or cook who's making me food or whatever it might be is any less value to that. Shall we move on to number three? Yeah, I feel like a lot of these kind of could go together, though. Okay. Um, do you want to move to four? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of want to touch a little bit on three. Cause yeah, do you. The, the big thing with three, invest in the infrastructure and industry of the U.S. to sustainably meet the challenges of the 21st century, I think is huge. Because that's, I mean, that's as simple as putting, you know, um, putting solar panels on every house every building in the u.s that's not that crazy yeah to do it's pretty I remember damn when i was in middle school i had this teacher that scared the shit out of me about <laughs> climate change which like rightfully so because we should be scared but she pretty much was like yeah like she was very dramatic about it she was like we, mi- we might just all be dead in two years because of this and i was like oh my god and i was in sixth grade and i went home crying <laughs> i was like mom dad we need to put solar panels on our house and my, my mom and dad were like, do you know how much that costs? Like, pipe down, Lauren. And and that's a big thing is that that cost is, is getting lower and lower as the years have gone on. You know, a solar panel 15 years ago, even 20 years ago, would have been crazy expensive to get on the roof of your house. Now, you know, the long-term effects of your end up a lot of people end up selling that power back to the grid. Yeah. So you end up actually kind of making, making a little money, bit of money. Yeah. Um, because and that's a really good thing. Imagine if an entire, even just an entire town or an entire suburb or an entire city took advantage of that and put a subsidized, gave every every person in the town a refund check or whatever it might be, or just do it and say, Hey, we're doing this the amount of power that that town will one generate for itself, but then be able to generate for towns around exactly. it. Yep. Like 
you might not even need to put a solar panel on every single house because the towns around that town are now also probably going to be benefiting yep. from that that one single town. I'm saying town a lot. For sure. Um, four and five kind of tie in together a bit. Um, secure clean water and air yep. and climate um, and access to nature and all that kind of stuff and promote justice and equality. Um, the last one is just human rights. Yeah. <laughs> like, the last one is let's stop being assholes uh, to it's, our neighbors. Yeah, and it's all about environmental racism. Yeah. Which... I know all about this now because I've read a book on it. So that makes me qualified. Um, so yeah, I read the book, um, What the Eyes Don't See. And it's pretty much, um, I just lost my train of thought. How do I word this? I sound like an idiot. I'm so sorry. But anyway, it's pretty much about Flint, Michigan and the water crisis. Um, I think it takes place mostly in like 2013, 14, 15. And it's about, um, it's a true story. But it's kind of, it's cool. It's written kind of like a science fiction because it's not just facts, facts, facts. It's in the point of view of um, this nurse who works at a clinic in Flint, Michigan for pediatrics and is hearing kind of about um, lead in the water and also then has the facts to back it up with um, the lead levels in blood tests for these kids. So yeah. But um, the main point of it is environmental racism, which I had no idea what that meant before this summer or that it existed. But it's pretty much um, the fact that mainly black communities, it's not just poor communities, it's mainly black and that's in the facts, um, are being affected disproportionately by environmental toxins. Um, so what I mean that by that is in their neighborhoods, they're way more likely to um have lead in the water or have these chemical plants put into their neighborhoods or um just any type of waste put into their neighborhoods because there's a lot of reasons behind it i actually have them written down because i always come prepared um so a big part of it's intentional neglect by the leaders in their communities and their in their states who choose to turn a blind eye because they'd rather have problems with black people and poor communities than have to hear of it from rich white people because they consider that a bigger problem. Um, lack of institutional power and low land values of people of color, kind of what I just said. And then alleged need for a receptacle for pollutants in urban areas. So this is a scientific fact. It's not just bullshit that, oh... In my community, there isn't any toxic waste, but in black communities, there is. It's actually proven. There's numbers behind it. Um, that then these black people are um, being faced with health issues because of the environmental toxins in their area. Um, like for lead, it's kind of the silent killer. It has tons and tons of health effects and mental effects. Um, when kids ingest lead at a young age, it completely alters the path of their future. Um, it can lead to different learning disabilities. It actually has proven to lead to being more violent. So in turn, environmental racism is then leading to more systematic racism and um, 
it's just, it's not helping these communities at all. And it's getting them in this rut and getting them stuck and getting these people stuck in their communities and not being able to get out because they've been set up to fail. So I don't mm-hmm. know if any of that made sense. No, <laughs> I was no, kind no, of yeah. rambling, but. And I think also too, um, to keep in mind with Indigenous Peoples Day coming up, um, I refuse to use the other name for it. Um, we just call it my birthday. <laughs> Yeah, or Lauren's <laughs> birthday, one or the other. Um, but with Indigenous Peoples Day coming up, you also have to uh, keep in mind, too, that this isn't just happening in um, black communities, but it's also happening in indigenous communities. Um, in the Dakotas, especially. In, in the Dakotas, especially. There's huge problems with pipelines yeah. going through native lands. And it's been happening um, for, for a very long a time. A long, I mean... as But it's super hard to get rid of because... The people in power are in denial or Correct. they say, oh, everything's fine. There's no proven facts that this has a negative effect yeah. when there are proven facts. They just choose not to deal with it right. because in their minds, where else are the pipelines going to go? Right. They can't put them in these rich white communities. And unfortunately, too, sometimes no matter, you can just throw a ton of money at something and eventually it will uh, exactly. stick. Um, before we get into our um, facts versus myths... I do want to touch on something that I know can kind of be a touchy subject, um, which is Republicans. Um, a lot. This isn't in the agenda. I know. I know. I've, 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 this is in my notes, and I forgot to write it on the agenda. But um, when you think of a climate activist, when you think of someone like Lauren and I, you know, you think of hippie liberal college educated stock wearing yeah. Renoli yeah <laughs> oh big time but more and more that's actually surprisingly enough not becoming a little bit more mixed um this is becoming less and less of a political now it's still a very one side versus the other side issue um in terms of politics but Republicans 18 to 39 are two to one more likely than their older counterparts to believe, not only believe in climate change, but see it as a major problem and one of the key issues going into the future. Um, And they are also, a lot of young conservatives are starting environmental groups um, and becoming heavy climate activists. Like um, I found an example like Benji uh, Backer. Uh, who is a young conservative uh, who started the American Climate Contract, which is a more, um, some people say that the Green New Deal, which is, it, it has some socialism aspects to it, but um, is super socialist, which is not 100% true. Um, Benji Baker started, uh, sorry, yeah, Benji Baker started the um, uh, American Climate Contract, which is a more market-focused response to the Green New Deal. Um Interestingly enough, though, people from the Sunrise Movement are super open to this, you know, because it's not a politics issue. It's not a, oh, yeah, we can solve this with some some legislation and it's fine. This is a generational problem that will affect our generation before it affects anyone else in who is currently leading this country. You know, Donald Trump is going to be dead within the next 15 years no hopefully sooner only the good die young sorry (laughs) um but uh you know biden is also going to be dead within the next 15 20 years most of our our representatives our lawmakers all the way down to the local level are 
you know, older people, old, old people. So this idea that they're the ones who can make those changes are is silly and it's it's phenomenal this article that i read that was put out by npr um was is phenomenal to hear that it's not just crunchy hippie liberal college students it's it's people on both sides you know it's it's people who are republic who identify as republican people who identify as conservative that's so important because at the end of the day it's going to be a generational shift and a generational change that comes not a political one so with that shall we get into facts versus myths yeah let me pull it up on my phone all right are we like so how are we doing this it's an actual game do we want to do it as a game or do we want to do it as just tell our listeners i think we should just tell our listeners yeah i guess unless you want to play it as a game no you think i'm just i'm trying to pull this up okay well, I can I can start. Um, so, do you want to just flip flop and do a yeah. myth and a fact? Ladies okay. first, good. All right, I see how it is. Um, so, the first myth that um, I came brought to the table is that plants need carbon dioxide. Now, that's very true. Plants do need carbon dioxide, but the idea that oh, we just need more plants is is a silly one because we are destroying more forest and putting more and more CO2 into the air every single day. So the idea that the, the plants that we have, even the plants that we had a hundred years ago, couldn't take in that much CO2 if we, if they even tried. Um, that's my big first myth that I, think I, I hear a lot of people say is, Oh, we just need more plants. Uh, that's, that's a huge myth that we can't do that. Um, my fact is that we're having, year over year we're having decreased um snow cover so snow um while we will ha- see more severe snowstorms in the future because of the severe weather patterns that are going to be caused by global warming it also means that our winters are shrinking so f- myself who is a big skier um and winter outdoorsy kind of person I, i'm sure there are a lot of listeners who also love to ski and snowboard and do whatever in the winter time that sucks i mean i love the snow I'm a Northeasterner, so I love having a good winter, and, and less snow in the Northern Hemisphere sucks, period. Your facts? Yeah, I'm done. Okay, my myth is that animals will adapt to climate change, and yes, animals adapt. I mean, we were most likely once monkeys, but um, animals just, at the rate that the climate is changing, and at the rate that the environment itself is completely flipping on its head. Um, It's just far too fast for most species to keep up. Um, The ways that animals quickly adapt are by moving, but at this point, you can only move so far within their preferred climate. Um, So that's the fact that animals just will not at all be able to adjust quickly enough or evolve quickly enough um same goes for humans honestly um so yeah that's mine do you fat is that your fact too that is the fact oh, okay, I okay. Just said that. um so then my my other myth um and this will be my last one is you had two 
Well, I have a bunch, but I didn't know how okay, many. Yeah, we'll let's do. not waste their time. Uh, <laughs> we won't waste your time. But um, my other myth is that the the idea of oh, just get rid of all the humans, you'll fix it. Um, we have what seven billion people on this earth now? Eight billion? I don't even know. Um, but that's pretty ridiculous to say. Oh, we can just get rid of a bunch of humans and it's fine. Like we all live here. Like we all. We're all born here. We all, this is, we're on this earth for a reason. Why don't we just focus on investing in a future? You know, why don't we just focus on saving the planet and and not trying to get rid of people to think that that's going to suddenly fix the problem? Because it won't. We've done more hurt than than help in the last 50 years. And getting rid of even a billion people wouldn't even come close to fixing that issue. Go on. <laughs> Sorry. So my myth is that China is the main country responsible for climate change. And a lot of people think that because most of the industry is in China where all the CO2 emissions are coming from. But it's, like I said, a myth. So my fact is that Yes, while it's true that China is the biggest emitter of CO2 today, the U.S., our home country, has actually emitted more total CO2 over its history than China. So really, we're the number one source. Um, And then it also says that models predict that China, India, and the U.S. are likely to be the largest single emitters of CO2 over the rest of the century. Damn. Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> um, okay. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. Well, with that, on that note, um, we'll take a very short break. You'll just hear a little ding-a-ling, but um, we'll take a break, and then we'll come back for our resources. couple of tips and ways that you can help. I know that last episode we had a lot of kind of Instagram accounts and resources. Um, Neither of us remember to put that in our notes. So we're going to be talking about ways that you as an individual, even in the smallest ways, can kind of do your part um, to help at least a little bit. Yeah. And also too, you know, an Instagram account is great, but at the end of the day, especially with something like this, with with climate change, with uh, the environment, you know, Little things, I know we've, we've said that little things only do so much, but it still does something. Um, you know, following an, an Instagram account is one thing, but actually going out and using a, like, reusable straw or picking up trash does something. Yeah. Like it, it eliminates stuff from the, the garbage stream and things like that. Yeah, I have a lot of tips. All right, let's hear them. Okay, so um, my first one is actually to thrift or... Um, buy used clothing. I know that a lot of people, there's been some controversy with this because a lot of people feel that they in lower income neighborhoods shouldn't be thrifting because that's for a lot of people the only place they can get clothing. Um, But if you have the ability to go to kind of more, I know I go to more kind of upscale neighborhoods and more boutique thrift shops, um, 
This is super important because fast fashion and the fashion industry itself, we're going to have an episode on this at some point, um, is among the top contributors to waste in the world. So I think that's a really important one. Um, And then I also had eating either meat less or vegan or eating meat less. Um, So I have been a vegetarian for what? Going on two years now. Um, I, the reason behind going vegetarian for me was a mix of kind of everything, health-wise, animal-wise, a bunch of things. Um, And I can honestly say that I really don't crave meat very often. I don't miss it very often. Um, I get a lot of people asking me when they find out I'm a vegetarian don't you crave it? How do you do it? Whatever. Um, I don't know if it's just been so long at this point or if it was the fact that growing up, my mom has always been a pescatarian. So we never had tons and tons of meat with every meal. But um, I very much, I'd love to go vegan one day, but I very much appreciate anyone, even if they are a carnivore and eat meat, um, going out of their way to at least kind of once a week or once in a while eating meatless. Um, It does wonders for the environment. Um, Cows and the meat industry and the dairy industry are huge contributors to greenhouse gases and overall climate change. I don't know if you have anything to say about that. Yeah, I mean, the other thing too to keep in mind is, you know, we're not saying, oh, you have to become a vegan. Right, but. Because honestly, yeah. being vegan, I tried it. It is very hard health-wise. And I know it's also very hard um, resources-wise. So if you're at school, I know at school, my campus, it's vegetarian-friendly, but not so much vegan-friendly. So I had a really hard time with that. And also, a lot of people think that to go vegan, it costs tons and tons of money. But really, it might cost a little bit more, but it's not a very dramatic difference just because meat itself costs so much that's gonna be your biggest expense at the grocery store anyway right and and but with that and with going to the grocery store if you if you are someone like me who does eat meat i mean i'm not i i eat vegetarian when i'm cooking for lauren but um i do eat meat um don't be afraid to ask where stuff comes from you know go to your if you if shop local that's the biggest advice i can say is shop local and ask you know your local butcher shop there's a solid chance that they're getting the same meat off the same truck from you know the local grocery store yeah however if you go around and ask you might find butcher shops that are only carrying local products you might find local farms that are yeah. carrying their own like beef products chicken products things like that that's way more better for the environment than you know getting meat what more better (laughs) more better than getting meat uh from like a giant cow like and it's honestly i know this whole episode is kind of about the environment but um buying meat locally from smaller farms they treat their animals a lot better for the most part Mm -hmm. Um, so you can kind of be at peace that you're eating and you're supporting you're eating dead animals, but at least yeah. they had a good life. But and, and you're also supporting the local community too, which is hugely important to even stuff like the environment. You know, you want 
to support your local community because there are going to be times where environmental disasters happen within the next few decades. And you're, you got to hope that your community has the money. The farmer has the money to keep farming afterwards because that still props up that community. Uh, what else we got on this, this so list of resources? So this is my biggest list right here is waste-free products. Um, I try, this is kind of my biggest try at being better to the environment. Um, to, And I try to encourage my family and Leo to do this as well. To be as waste-free as possible and produce as much waste. I mean, as little waste, <laughs> not as much waste. As little waste as possible. This is... What I've been real passionate about lately. So I have a list of kind of ways that you can do that or different products that you can use. So, um, yeah, the first one is either a bamboo or I actually, I think I got it at Hannaford, my cornstarch toothbrush, which sounds really odd and I had never heard of it. But when you think about it, it's a step up kind of from bamboo because you're not taking from trees at that point. Um, but it's like a compacted cornstarch it feels pretty much like plastic but it's biodegradable it'll break down um and it won't be sitting at the bottom of our oceans for the rest of time um next is reusable baggies i'm not sure the exact brand we can link it um in the notes but i they sell them at target in like every color um so i know that i go through baggies a lot when I was making bracelets for Black Lives Matter and stuff, that's what I would send them all in. Um, but if you're just putting sandwiches in them or snacking or something, or I even had pencils in one for a while, um, they're so much better for the environment because they are reusable. Um, then I had reusable film film cameras, which I actually have to get on this because me and Leo use um, the Fuji film, like just the disposable cameras because we like how the pictures come out. But um, I've been seeing on TikTok a lot that you can buy like Kodak or Canon um, different cameras on like eBay or Amazon. And you just have to replace the film reels. Um, and though those are plastic, it's producing a lot less waste. Um, and then buy in bulk. So my family just recently moved and we moved right around the corner from this health food store. And they... Sell products. Which I want to go into. Yeah, we'll yeah. go tomorrow. Um, I love it. <laughs> all the people there are so, so sweet. But they sell all their products for the most part in bulk. So you can buy rice, um, beans, different nuts, pasta, and any spice you can think of. I swear to God, they have like 7,000 spices there. And you can buy them all in bulk. So when you go, you can buy these huge jars to keep um, on your countertops full of rice and pasta. So that you're not creating waste with the different packaging that it would normally come in. And it's actually super cost efficient. That's also something I want to highlight. A lot of people seem to think that, actually, I guess they don't do it for the cost. But a lot of people buy things that create waste because of pure convenience. But a lot of the things that are reusable and better for the environment are actually super cost effective. Like if you're buying a, like one of the silicone reusable baggies you'll have that for years and then you won't have to buy baggies or like the tooth actually not the toothbrushes because i'd be i'd hope that you'd switch those <laughs> out often um but reusable razors you're not having to buy disposable razors all the time um i also i recently 
from this company called Buddha Organics. They have a lot of different um, kind of toiletries. They have this deodorant that comes in this cute little jar and it's super cost effective and the deodorant will last you for like two years, a wicked long time, and it's zero waste. And I also find that a lot of those companies that create zero waste products, they're, because they're smaller companies, their customer service is like out of this world. And they usually send you a couple free goodies when you buy anything from them. So I definitely recommend Buddha Organics. Um, we'll also link them. Um, with that, you can also buy reusable shampoo bars. So it's pretty much compact shampoo that looks like a bar of soap. You just either rub it in your hair or rub it in your hands and then put it in your hair. Um, and it's absolutely zero waste. Um, also, this is my last thing. Sorry, I'm talking a lot. <laughs> I wanted to talk about masks. I know in this time, these disposable masks, um, just the like blue ones that they usually have in hospitals, those are creating so much waste. Think about all of the people in the world right now that are wearing masks. Like that is insane to me. So um, just buying a reusable mask, that's mm -hmm. first of all, cost effective. Second of all, fashionable AF. <laughs> and, I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah. I mean, the weight, think about it. The waste being produced right now with those and also mm -hmm. plastic gloves is unfathomable. Yeah. I thought it was pretty cool the other day when PwC sent me a, uh, a hey, welcome to PwC. Here's a mask. Yeah. And it was a reusable, like adjustable exactly. face mask with a little PwC yep. Labs logo on it. So, so yeah, cool. I know that was a lot that I just threw at you. Um, but just those small changes are going to save you so much money and are going to save the planet that you live on in the long run. Yeah. And and lastly, before we we close up shop on episode two here, the other big thing I want to say is just one, volunteer, and two, pick up trash. Like, you know, if you're out and about and you... I try as much as I can to whenever I'm hiking, whenever I... And like, I always try to keep a trash bag in the car to just pick up. If I see something, I pick it up. Um, yeah. It's a very simple task and a lot of people don't do it. Um, if you litter or if you like leave your trash at the beach, just know that Jesus is watching. <laughs> Lauren will kill you. Uh, Lauren will hunt you down. I don't down. even believe in Jesus, but Jesus is watching. Lauren will, Lauren will hunt you down and kill you <laughs> if you leave trash on the beach. Like, but yeah, no, it, I won't even have to kill you because Mother Nature will do the job for me. Yeah, but uh, yeah, um, but it's it's a simple task. It not enough people do it. Just just pick up your damn trash, um, and we'll leave we'll leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a that's a great way to leave it off. Is Pick up your damn trash. Yeah, you know the clean the up song from like kindergarten. Yeah, clean up, clean up. Everybody, everybody do your share. Clean up, uh, everybody everywhere. Okay, so, yeah. With that, we will sign off. I think we've let this run a little too long because we're now going crazy over here. But yeah. um, yeah, save the earth. Pick up your damn trash and uh, subscribe. Yeah, is that how Spotify works? No, it just is? follow follow the podcast. If you if you like what you're hearing, follow us on Instagram and uh, follow the podcast. So we'll see you on episode three next week. I don't even know what the topic is, but we'll yeah. find out later.